Hey, I'm Dan Seataller. And I'm Drew Adams. Welcome to Why'd You Buy That? Today we're going to start off by talking about the important current issue of Black Lives Matter. Then I talk about an unexpected annual fee that I got. And then we'll have an exciting round of Why'd You Buy That? And finally, we talk about purchases we're making for our kids so they can have fun this summer staying at home with us. Thanks so much for being here. All right, we're live. How's it going, Drew? Hey, Dan. Welcome. Welcome all of our listeners to Why'd You Buy That? We're glad you're here. Yep. We got some good topics to cover today. Yeah. Of course, you know, today is June 2nd, 2020, and it seems, as Drew and I were talking, basically impossible to start this podcast without talking about the biggest issue in the news and in the world today of Black Lives Matter. It's a topic that's close to home for us and particularly for Drew. So I want to ask Drew a couple of questions, kind of get his thoughts on it. But before I do, just wanted to share what's challenging about this for me. Um, For one, it's a topic where I want to have a lot of sensitivity and understanding. And yet I feel removed from it enough where it's hard to know even how to talk about it sometimes. Even some of the terminology, how you, you reference people and skin color, that whole thing can be kind of scary as a white male in the United States to talk through and to ask questions about and to and to try to be sensitive. So I'm going to do my best here. <laughs> you feel free to uh, correct me as we go. But my good friend Drew is married to Tracy, who's just a wonderful woman, and she's black. So they have mixed kids. So, you know, very close to the issue here. So just to kick things off, Drew, what have been some of your thoughts and feelings over the past few days and weeks as we've seen some videos of police brutality and riots and lots of conversation going around this topic? Yeah, just to, to be clear, I, I'm also a white male, but I am married to Tracy, who is a African-American woman, and we have five children. And I think one of the best ways is to describe it it or the, my feelings about it is to sort of talk about my evolution of what I've been thinking. And to frame that, talking about Colin Kaepernick, for example. So his kneeling protests with the NFL. So I never thought that that was a bad protest or he didn't have the right to protest. But there was a little part of me that was a little sad about it, right? And the reason for that was, I think, when I think about America and I think about, you know, our most popular television personality you know you could say is oprah winfrey who's black our most popular athletes lebron james for example who's black or even you know a few four years ago the most powerful person in the world and the free world was black also biracial so my thinking was i wish that people didn't have to protest or black people didn't need to protest the flag because i wanted them to be the flag I wanted them to own America as much as anybody, right? And to not be one iota less. It's kind of like kneeling in front of your own house. It's like, this is your house. Enjoy it, right? Do You know, do what you can, right? It's all you. It's all us. It's, we're doing it together. So it's just a little bit of sadness just regarding that and wanting people to own it and not feel like they're victims of it. But, you know, after seeing the kneeling, the juxtaposed kneeling of George Floyd, along with Colin Kaepernick, together side by side, it was like, it was just, just kind of a, a turn of the, it just took a turn. I was like, 
I mean, you know, how could you not get it? Like, how could you not be all in completely understanding? And then from that moment, you, you just, just sort of, you look about all of the other things that you see, such as LeBron James uh, wearing the, I can't breathe t-shirt, for example, and playing the sports or the other protests regarding discrimination or police brutality. And for me, I just realized kind of, even though literally my family is, is black, like my kids and all of my in-laws, it took that kind of realization to say it's happening (laughs) and it has to change. It just has to change. Yeah. It's a wide multifaceted issue that affects everybody differently, right? Like there's the contrast. Like I, I was thinking about the same thing. We didn't talk about that before, but I was thinking about how some of the most famous wealthy people in the United States are black. And yet at the same time, there's there's a disproportionate number of black people who are below the poverty line or in prison, right? And so there's this really big spread that it's just unusual, right? It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that. But then breaking down what the issues are, there's police brutality, which is one specific thing. There's white privilege, right? Which is kind of, in my mind, sort of twofold between the privilege that we have as white people, partly because of our ancestors and their privilege, right? And how that's kind of passed down over generations. But I think kind of in tandem with that is disconnected mindset with white privilege. It's kind of like, it's easy to say, yeah, Black Lives Matter, but it doesn't affect me. So I'm, I don't really have any skin in the game. And I feel like right now that's, that's changing for people. I think it's, it's a lot harder to, to say black lives matter without some meaning behind it uh, with everything you see in the news. Yeah. And did you see the video of the central park uh, woman with the dog who was being filmed by someone who was doing bird watching in central park? Did you see this? this I haven't seen that. Mm -mm. I'll try to describe it. Hopefully I do it justice. But so a man was bird watching in the park and there was a dog that was running loose. And the man doing the bird watching was was black. And the woman who with the dog who was running loose was white. And then so he asked her to please put the dog on a leash. And then she gets very upset and angry and then decides to pick up the phone and call the police. And I believe the word she said is there's an African-American man who's threatening my life. Right. Whoa. Yeah. Like, or at the very least, she said he's threatening me. Right. And after you sort of see these videos, I mean, of what happens to black men when they are confronted with police, that is almost like swinging a bat at that man's head. Right. You feel like you can understand like that is more than just than just a police call. It, it is it is it was clearly a threat. And now she's she suffered some consequences now, but because that video came out and she lost her job and she's been publicly shamed and she's apologized. But that being said, how hard it is just to be black in daily life, doing regular stuff could potentially get you in trouble or God forbid you actually, you know, step out of line step out of line, or whatever. I'm sure I have done at points in my life, you know, and if that does happen, like there's no, the, the consequences are much more severe. So one of the other things that is like, well, 
some people may say, why are all these racist events happening right now? Well, my view of that is they've been happening all the time. Yeah. The only thing that's different is everyone is carrying a cell phone now and everybody has the video now and everybody has the audio now. So now this gives us a chance to see it. And for me, it's a, it's a little bit of source of like self-reflection in that. Why didn't I just believe people when they told me, right? Why did I have to, it's almost like, why did I have to be seen for it to be understood? And then the next question is, well, what do you do now? Like, I think an acknowledgement of the prejudices that we bring to the table that underlie, you know, our everyday interactions may be a start, right? Mm -hmm. What do you feel? What do you feel like? No, absolutely. I think that I've had those same questions I've asked myself, what is my responsibility with this information, with this perspective? How does that change me? And I think there's a lot of things that need to change in our culture, but it starts with a, an acknowledgement of the problem. And I feel like that's actually kind of where we're at right now as a country and as a lot of individuals were just like, oh, wow, this is really an issue. And I can see it and I understand it and I feel it and my heart goes out for these people that are being mistreated and I want to help. I mean, there's there's two things like I, I don't think we know exactly what all the right answers are, but I also think there's not one answer for this. Right. There's like so many hundreds of things that need to change in small and in big ways to shape our culture to be more inclusive and to eliminate the prejudice and, and racism that's existed for so long. Another thing that this incident has made me take a look at is Ferguson, like with the riots with Michael Brown, I believe was the name of the black man who was shot. And at the time Ferguson happened, I was like, there was some testimony about from the policeman who said he was reaching for a gun or what have you when he was shot. And I think that for me or for people who have grown up trusting the police or maybe having white privilege with the police, there's always been that, hey, they're not going to overreact to nothing, right? Something happened. They did that because this or this or this or that. But now that I look at what happened to George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, I'm like, not a damn thing happened. Yeah. I mean, or at least not a damn thing that warranted that kind of response. No. And that makes me go through and look at all of these different incidents that I was sort of semi paying attention to, but not really like still throwing some doubt on it. I don't know for what reason and going through and looking at those and saying, it's like, oh, my God, this is almost seeing it for the first time. So there's another example of, um, you know, a young black teenager who picked up a toy gun in Walmart. I don't know his his name, apologize for that, but he picked up a toy gun in Walmart and then was wandering around the store with the toy gun, talking to his girlfriend on the phone, went into the food section. And I can really relate to this because I do that, uh, you know, I listen to podcasts or do, as I'm shopping and sometimes I'm talking yeah. to people and I'm just wandering around. Anyway, right. I'm wandering, so he's just like holding it or whatever. It's like holding it. It's just yeah. like holding it because I went back now because of all this and I looked at that, those videos of because they had it all on videotape and he's mm -hmm. just holding this this toy gun in the food section talking to his girlfriend and you just see the time elapse and the time elapse and then all like out of nowhere policeman comes in and just shoots him dead just comes in and just boom flat out in a second guys flattened and it's no like way. what just happened and the other thing is 
you know, a lot of the um, people that I've been seeing speak out about this, a lot of the African-American people that I know now because uh, either through my wife or I've met through my kid's school or were employed by me at one time or uh, know through my kid's activities who are speaking up about this, just they're basically asking white people were in the majority, you know, in America for the time being, you know, do something right. Like this is what we're talking about. This is us. These are us, the people that you have been hanging out with, the people who you love. This is how we are victimized saying it's, it is time to stand up. And I agree. So that's the other thing I just, uh, I mean, talking about the, the riots and the, and the protests, when I think about the protests, I think about like all the people that I know who I love and also I, I'm not sure if they've been in the streets protesting or not. I, I, I don't know, but I, I know I, what I see online where they're saying they need to be heard. And to say these people are like law abiding citizens is, is insulting because they're more than that. I mean, they're more law abiding than, than the, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say more abiding than the white people, but I just want to say they're, doctors and healthcare professionals and people in the military and videographers and all the people that I hang out with, you know, basically saying this needs to stop. And there's a lot, you know, honestly, there's a lot of like a talk in today's society about diversity and inclusion. And I've always chafed a little, just believe it or not, I've always kind of chafed a little bit at that because what I worry about the diversity inclusion is that you are including people just because they are this or just because they are, they're only here because you're black. And then that breeds resentment. So I don't want anybody. I actually deeply, deeply want diversity and inclusion, but I want people to be judged on their innate abilities and not feel like they're there because they are a woman or because they are a minority. But I think that all of those assumptions about you are there because you are great and you happen to be a woman or you happen to be black is part and parcel of the inclusion movement. The inclusion movement is more about making sure that our minds are free from the internal prejudices that we come to the table with and therefore are able to more clearly see the value and the potential that everybody is bringing to the table. So we're not making assumptions when we're choosing who's going to lead this group, who's going to get that raise, right? Who's going to represent this company. All of that is not in the, as part of the decision process anymore. I'll tell you one time when I was prejudiced, it wasn't a racial thing, but it was a um, chauvinistic thing. I was a, the coach of a middle school basketball team my son's team, so it was all it was all boys on the team, and one of the best players on the team, I needed an assistant coach, and so I asked his dad if he wanted to coach with me, and he was like, I don't really like coaching, I don't really do coaching, but my wife really likes coach, you know, she was a basketball player, and I didn't say no, but I guess maybe he just read the expression on my face, it was like, that's weird, you know, I don't yeah. know, you know, like yeah. this, like And in retrospect, when I think back on that weakness that I had, it was like, of course, she should have been the assistant coach. She would have been fantastic. And I can't believe that I had that blind spot. So 
I guess that's just, I don't know, a way of saying that I, I have blind spots and I'm sure that maybe other people do do too, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's, uh, you know, props for you for recognizing that in retrospect. Mm-hmm. One of the things that comes to mind as you talk through that situation and diversity and inclusion is it feels like we have to get diversity before inclusion becomes more natural, right? Like if you grow up and you're only around white people all the time, and then a black person comes in, inclusion is not going to be as natural, right? There there has to be more experiences with with women and black people and just people of different cultures and backgrounds before I think we can change our underlying biases to be more open and more kind of organically unbiased and and welcoming to everyone. And I think to get to that point, sometimes you do have to, you got to carve out a spot for, you know, a black person or a woman and say like, we maybe have a better white male candidate, but we've got to find women who can fill in here and, and start to fill these roles. Because if they never have the opportunity, they just don't get the growth, right? They aren't able to develop the skills that men are and that their dads did and that they handed down to them. Or I would take it even one step further, which is the perspective of the skills that are required also come from our white male perspective. So like, for example, I was um, at a uh, venture conference or something like that. And there was um, someone was talking about trying to could not find a woman who would sit on a board or something like that. Right. As much as much as they tried, they had all these qualified guys. But it came it came to mind to me that like, you know, half of the people that buy stuff in America are are women. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, how is it possible that we have corporations that don't have a female perspective and we're making products and things like this? It's like you're missing this whole set of perspectives, values, emphasis, emphasis, emphases. (laughs) I don't know what the word is (laughs) Um, where, you know, what we may value is more like, you know, something that traditionally has been considered business acumen. Right. I don't know. Yeah. That is a great point. I have one more. Can we do one really deep topic here? How do you feel about reparations? This would be basically a large amount of money paid to black people or African-American people as, you know, reparations for past ills done by America. My neighbor, when we lived in North Carolina, talked a lot about these issues with me. So we lived in the same neighborhood. He's black. And he talked about how he couldn't go on a walk with his, his young son, who's like, when I say a walk, like push him around in a stroller in the evening or like after dark, because he wasn't comfortable. Like the police would come through our neighborhood regularly and he just didn't feel safe. But let's that, pause here for a second and think about that. Like, think about, like, have you ever, like, no. not walking out in your neighborhood? No, that's the thing. It's like, I could go four in the morning, anytime. I was just right. walking around my neighborhood, no problem. Like, mm-hmm. doing whatever, right? And never would think twice about that. Which gets back to what we were talking about earlier, about how hard it is to believe what they're saying. Like, there's a difference between kind of mentally agreeing and like, okay, yeah, that's, that's hard. And like, oh, wow, that's like a real issue. Like feeling those feelings of, of fear or concern or uncertainty about 
how a situation is going to play out with the police. That's serious. You know, that's like, it's almost like being at home, but not feeling safe, like in your own home. You're in your own neighborhood and you don't feel safe like that is messed up and needs to change. But of course, at the time, you know, I I was trying to understand. That's why I would bring up these conversations to ask him his perspective because he had strong feelings about it. And uh, he kind of walked me through like some situations. I can't even remember the specifics. It may have been after World War One or World War Two, where there was, you know, handouts given to veterans for service performed. And basically the, the white veterans got land and the black veterans got something much less. Right. And then you talk about the basically how that land provides this opportunity to, to make a, and accumulate wealth and then pass that on to generations. And that's in part how we end up where we are today with with white privilege and where, you know, my parents helped me pay for college and my parents are married and have a stable life, which was easier for them because they had stable parents who had careers, right? That whole chain of privilege continues forward. And so I would say my perspective, I, I don't know that word to use, re, uh, reparations, reparation, my, my perspective on reparations has changed where before I kind of thought more like, well, I didn't do the harm to you. So what do you want from me? Right. <laughs> I just showed up here. I just, I just came. So what, I don't know. But now I feel like if we're serious at people about inclusion and diversity, then we have to find real ways to level the playing field. So I guess that's my general perspective. I'm, I'm open to, to things that can help provide privilege and opportunity where there hasn't been in the past. And that may be financially or through other programs. Yeah, it is hard. One other thing I'll say on that is that I think it's a bigger issue than money will solve. That may be a a part of it. Right. But even if I could give like a portion of my paycheck to like helping underprivileged black Americans or something like that. And that was it. That just wouldn't do the trick. Right. There's got to be a lot more to it in terms of who are you willing to hire? Who are you spending extra time with as a coach or as a teacher? And, you know, money as well. That's, I think, uh, a component. So, yeah, I think you provide a great background on the legal justification for reparations, right? And then there's just the emotional piece of it, right? Like it's if reparations are done in a way that is like combative, then it's not going to work. It's different between fission, where atoms are broken up, right, and fusion, right? Mm-hmm. But the amount of like the amount of energy that you can extract through fission, which is is a great amount of energy, but it also creates radioactive materials it's not bad i mean which is bad but if you do fusion the amount of energy you create is so much greater and you don't end up with any radioactive materials the point is is that if reparations are done in a way of like if black americans and white americans could actually get along (laughs) like Mm -hmm. actually be as one and and just release each other from the prejudices and the guilt and the Basically, forgiveness, I guess, is what I'm saying. The amount of economic growth that would be unleashed by that would be phenomenal. It would be bigger than anything that has ever happened. Like, you know, stop fighting one another and start working towards something together. And that's kind of my view on on what if reparations can bring that about, then I'm for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, almost like you're saying, if, if the heart of the country is behind it to make a real difference, that's a lot different than saying like, 
fine, we'll give you this big sum of cash, but stop complaining. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. It's like totally right. different. Approach. This is, yeah, exactly. And the amount of economic, like people see it as a cost. Well, this is going to cost me something and it's going to you and it's a zero sum game. What I like to look at it is this is going to unleash something. It's like getting rid of technical debt when you're talking about code. It's like now I'm so much freer to do all the things that we, to do the things that we can do, to be what we can be, you know? Well, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts, Drew, and for opening up on some of these personal things. I know it's uh, it's on everybody's mind today. And so even though it feels a little weird as two white guys talking about Black Lives Matter on a podcast, <laughs> um, I think this is what's got to happen, right? That's That's what we're hearing is white people need to kind of wake up to this situation and Hopefully we're we're making steps forward. Yeah. Hey, can we switch some to some lighter topics? Yeah, let's do. Let's talk a little bit about budgeting and money, huh? <laughs> yeah, time to talk about budgeting. I love budgeting. That, that is a much lighter topic. I feel like, yeah, for sure. Talking about though. money all day. <laughs> Money's not a touchy subject at all. No. <laughs> Compared to this, it's like, yeah, it's fine. It'll all work. Uh yeah, so can I tell you a little story? So I was uh, open my weekly tracker, and I get this $95 annual fee. I'm like, annual membership fee or something like that. What yeah. is this? This will not stand, right? <laughs> what is this charging me for? No, I, <laughs> but I was like, it must be Amazon or something. I'm like, but what am I subscribed to that charges me $95 a month? I mean, a year. What? You know, I know I didn't agree to this. You know, I'm sure yeah, of it. Like, yeah, I'm going to figure right. this out. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I like go in and I'm like, oh, where do I, where do I find this? So I, I go into my credit card. I'm like, it, all it says is, is annual membership fee. And I'm like, where do I dispute this charge? Who, who even charged this to me? Right. Mm-hmm. Who charged yeah. this to me? Yeah. <laughs> Does it have any identifying <laughs> things? Like what's going on? And then it dawns on me, like the very card that I'm using to look at this transaction is the card that charged me the charge. (laughs) And (laughs) I have a Chase Sapphire card and it's their annual membership fee. (laughs) And interestingly, you cannot dispute it. Like it's like, they will not allow (laughs) you to dispute it. (laughs) It's not even an option to dispute it. It's like, this is our (laughs) charge. You're getting this. Yeah. So is this a new card? It was a relatively new card, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a new card, and I yeah. got it. I got fifty thousand points for joining the Sapphire mm-hmm. Blue card, mm-hmm. which, roughly speaking, is like I don't know. I want to say four hundred and fifty worth of flights. Flights, mm-hmm. like if you you can translate points into lots of different things, but one of the things is flights. So this would be it'd be like getting akin to a four hundred and fifty dollar ticket for joining, but and then you have to pay this annual fee of ninety five dollars. And so, you know, after four years, you lose, you lose the advantage of the point, but you look at the whole like package of points and you say, is my spending over time going to, is this giving me the most generous benefits? And and the analysis I did at the time was, yeah, this is pretty good for what I use points for, which is flying. Yeah. We're used to. (laughs) Do you continue to accrue? (laughs) Used to. Nobody's flying now. Yeah. So do you continue to accrue points as you spend money and get a little bit more each year or however they divvy that out? Yep. The points keep batting up and then I can purchase yeah, flights with those points. It is funny to get points and then have someone, which is like nice. Oh, like 
points. I can use that for like $450 worth of something. And then someone takes $95 out of your account and you're like, hold up. <laughs> like this is real money here. Not these flimsy points who we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So did you ever have to do, I know there's a whole like world of people who analyze points who's given the best cards and all that sort of stuff. Do you, ever, do you dive into that when you're choosing your credit card? Well, I tried to get into that once as like a hobby sort of thing. This was maybe two years ago or something. And I was like, because I, I have used credit cards for different things for reward points. We have a Costco credit card that gives us cash back. And that's like, can add up to a lot of money. I've also used cards to basically pay down debt by signing up for a credit card that's got like 18 months interest free and putting debt onto the card while I'm paying it down to avoid paying any interest at all. So I've definitely like looked through cards, but when, when I was like ready to start getting into it more, I signed up for this card. I feel like it may have been a chase card. It was like a black card that actually had a metal lining on the inside so you couldn't bend it it was like a solid card you couldn't shred it either i found yeah. out <laughs> cannot shred this thing so i did the research kind of figured it all out and it was like if you spend three thousand dollars on this card in the first three months or something then you get tons of miles and i thought that would be really good because uh we want to fly back to utah more to visit family or I actually think I might it might have even been trying to get to Hawaii. It was like enough points to get to Hawaii and back for two people. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking like my wife and I could go for our 10 year anniversary this a couple years ago. So I got the I ordered the cards, but kind of had an issue with the spending. Actually, we weren't going to be able to spend three thousand dollars on those cards, except if we used them to pay for our plane tickets during Thanksgiving to actually go to Utah. And we got the cards late, so we weren't able to use it for those expenses. So we. I didn't think we were going to hit that $3,000 spending mark. And then on my first bill, there was a charge. I wish I, I should have looked up the exact amount before the podcast, but it was significant. It was more than $100. I want to say it was like $400. And I think I knew that before, but you know, the, the value was so high of like the points I was getting, it was like worth this like initial setup or something. Anyway, I called them up and canceled the card and fortunately was able to like not pay that and everything just like went away. But she told me to mail the cards back because they would not go through the shredder. Mm. Remember that part. So huh. after that, I was like, ah, I'm going to just kind of stick to the cards I have. What was the fee again for? What did they say it was for? It was a sign up activation membership fee. And thing. you didn't know that that was happening. Like it wasn't clear when you signed up for well, the card. I'm trying to remember the details exactly. I think it was higher than I thought, or maybe there was like a charge for my account and my wife's account or something. It was insanely high. And so now you don't get and monitor points now? Like you don't worry about that kind of no, thing? No, I still do that. Well, Costco, I usually just do use our Costco card now because it's just cash and they give you cash. They like send they you a back. thing yeah, yeah, at the end of the year. And it's like a lot. It's pretty good return. It's probably not the highest return if we were going to use miles or something and like fly. But even for me, that's always like booking a flight is hard enough when you're paying full price in terms of getting the airline and the layovers and the time it leaves and everything like that. And adding another layer of complexity to like what points match for what flights and what airlines yeah. is like, it's too much for me. No, I totally feel you on that. What I have found with the card that I've used and the past couple of cards that I've used is that they're actually using Expedia or Orbitz in the background. 
So almost every flight that mm. I can get through Expedia, I can get through the travel rewards program. Just as an FYI. Oh, interesting. So I don't really have to worry about, is it the right airline or the right? It's just like, I look on Expedia to see if it's available. If it is, then I usually log into my card and book the flight via their travel rewards portal mm, using, yeah. using almost the exact same interface. <laughs> yeah. So it's got like chase at the top or what have you. Yeah. That's cool. I can see that like being worked out more than I would imagine. It's one of those things where it's like, it didn't work before, so I'm not going to try it again. Yeah. Even though it's like probably much more stable. Though I get you that booking flights and stuff like that is so stressful. You gotta, yeah. You should do meditation before you get on a, <laughs> all the different factors. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so let's do a round of why'd you buy that? Would you go first? Oh, yes. I got a good one this week, actually. Kind of an experimental purchase. So just for people who might, this might be the first podcast you've ever heard. This is where Dan and I open our weekly app. We scroll through our purchases. We pick out something that we purchased and we describe the inner emotions, the deep inner emotions (laughs) that drove that purchase. Or maybe just the not so deep emotions. (laughs) Yeah, so go ahead. What's your thing? So... I've been trying to explore some, well, let me give you a little background. So we, for those who don't know, we recently moved from North Carolina to Utah and sold our house. And so selling our house has allowed us to pay off some debt and just kind of start a new part of our journey in life. And so for me, it's been a time to like reflect a little bit and say, what what things could I just improve on and do differently? Are there I'm big into trying to get rid of the amount of stuff I own. So are there things that I'm using now that I could maybe buy something new that's that's better, smaller, more compact uh, and get rid of it? So I, I have bought a couple of things for my computer to kind of reduce and minimize. Kind of somewhat related purchase was Nair, the <laughs> hair removal product. And it's one of those things where I I, th- I feel like I had only heard about this product one time when I was like, 13 and this girl I like I liked at the time told me that her dad used Nair once and she was like giggling about it because she thought it was like ridiculous right and I was like what is that and she's like it's like this spray on stuff that you spray on your legs and then you like wipe off the hair and to me it's like well that sounds pretty cool actually <laughs> like I don't know it's like maybe something you wouldn't want to tell people you bought but you secretly love so once in a while I shave my legs. I'm not all the time, but like, I just like, I don't like all the hair on my legs. I would say they're medium hairy. They're not like (laughs) crazy bear hair legs, but I just like having smooth legs sometimes. And I just don't like all the hair. So, but like shaving hair off your legs when you have regular, like adult, adult male hair is not easy. It takes a long time, right? Because every like inch of razor is a full thing of hair and then you got to get dispose of it and it's just, it's bad. So I was like, well, maybe if I could just spray the stuff on my legs, wipe it off, bam, right? Like that seems cool. I could deal with the, I don't know, whatever. I could deal with people giggling at me for doing that. But it was the worst experience ever. I will tell you what. It was so bad. Just imagine you have dry frosting. So this is what this thing was. There was like a spray on or like a paste and the paste had better reviews. So I was like, well, the spray on seems easier, but I'll try it. It was so bad. It's like this frosting. I'm putting it on my legs. It looks seriously like a cinnamon roll. 
just kind of lathering it all over took forever and it's dry and it's sticky and you have to leave it on for 10 minutes. So I did a, I did a spot first because they tell you like, just do a spot, make sure you don't have any bad reactions to your skin or whatever. Cause it's literally dissolving your hair. So I was like, okay, so I try the spot. I left it on for eight minutes because the box said five to eight minutes and I like wiped it off and no hair came off at all. Nothing happened. I was like, what is this? How? So I'm looking online. I see some customer review that's like, I put it on for eight minutes and nothing happened. What's the deal? And I was like, yes, that's what I'm dealing with. And somebody said, well, you might have to leave it on for longer, like try 10 minutes. So I tried another spot for 10 minutes and it sort of worked. Like most of the hair came off and there was still some that didn't. So I was like, okay, I'll try it out all in. So I put it all over my legs, waited 10 minutes. And then probably spent 30 minutes trying to like take this paste stuff off of my legs because it's not like you just hop in the shower and it rinses off. It's like matted to your legs and rubbing it off is part of what removes the hair. It's not just like it just is like gone and it just wipes off. It was such a disaster. (laughs) So anyway, finally like got in the shower after I got it all wiped off, shaved the parts that it didn't get because it didn't really work great in all the spots, which was just weird. And that was it. That was my, it was, it cost me, I think 16, $16. I could double check <laughs> in weekly, but that was my experience with Nair. It wasn't uh, actually Nair just for the record. It was, it was another product that was supposed to be softer on your skin. That was like a little bit more natural because a lot of people said, well, not a lot, but some portion of the people said when they use Nair, they ended up in bad shape with like, skin irritation and stuff so i didn't have any of that but it was it was stinky too disintegrating hair it has a smell it's bad it was just an overall bad experience i have so many questions first of all (laughs) does anna know this is happening (laughs) i actually asked her so i'm also in this phase where i'm like i'm just gonna buy stuff without telling my wife and then it just shows up and I'm like, I'm my own man, right? Right, yeah. When you're younger, it's like, or early in a marriage, you don't have a lot of money. It's like kind of everything you got to talk through. But but I did ask her about this one just in case she had more exposure. Because seriously, the only personal experience I have is this girl from when I was in high school. So I did ask her and she was like, hmm, try it out. I don't know. So did she make fun of you for wanting to have smooth legs or was she like, this is great. I love it. This is going to be awesome. (laughs) I think she was okay with it. Like I, like I said, I've shaved my legs before, so it's not like I've never had smooth legs. Okay. But yeah. So she was, she was okay with it. And when did you first know that you wanted smooth legs? Like you've had enough of this hair thing. Like that's a good question. I shaved my legs a couple of times in high school. (laughs) <laughs> so I would say basically when I started having hairy legs, I wanted to shave them. You're like, this is, this is the worst. Yeah. Hairy it, legs. Like what? It's well, it's weird. Like if you're, if your skin's dry and you try to put lotion on your hair's like doing swirlies with the lotion and it just creeps me out. It's too weird. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to have smooth legs. You put lotion on them and you like uses less lotion and it's easier and feels better. I have to wonder if there are some women listening that were like, oh, my God, like <laughs> what I would give to not have to have to shave my legs. Like, yeah, you need to embrace this, this societal norm of where oh, you don't right, have to right, have, right. like 
Yes. You don't have to shave your legs yet. You want to? What? Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Yeah, that is Uh, interesting. I bet there are some women who would like that to go away. Tell me about you. What what did you buy? During the COVID time, the Starbucks habit sort of went downhill. I was dealing with the coffee made here at the house. And I, and you how, know, I just, how did that compare? Sorry, in terms of quality, it like. was chalky. Like the coffee that we have here is like chalky. It just feels sometimes like I'm drinking a little bit of like dirt <laughs> or something. <laughs> it's not actual, but it's just like it's not clear, you know? Yeah. And okay. So I was like, I told my wife, like, you know, this is kind of chalky, and she looked at me like, "How dare you?" <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I'm gonna have to find my. <laughs> Uh, so I Drew, was like, "Listen, I'm, I'm going to go morning coffee. It's kind of chalky. I don't like it." <laughs> no, I. It was like I, I was, I had no choice for many weeks, so I didn't really like yeah. allow myself to like acknowledge the chalkiness. Maybe it was just like I had no other choice, but this is what I had to drink, so might as well be happy with it. But then you know, I was like, "I'm think I'm going to go back to Starbucks. I'm going to go through the drive-through." Meanwhile, yeah. Dan's already eating at restaurants. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Welcome back, Drew. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all paranoid with my mask. I got gloves on. Like hand sanitizer. (laughs) Did you trust the straw? (laughs) I wanted no straw. But it's still in the packet. It's still in the anyway. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm back. I'm back at Starbucks, man. And it was so good. I just am how well is like almost without fails like that is a great i've just did i don't know what they got me i'm like i can't yeah. stay away well so, that's uh Starbucks. i'm glad they have good good product i i didn't know if the coffee was really good i've heard that like the pastries and other things are not not so good yeah and i think that i mean there's some coffee aficionados out there that would be like hmm. i'm talking about starbucks he has no yeah, idea yeah, yeah. For, for whatever for me it works <laughs> like yeah yeah but yeah it's really funny to see the pastries because they kind of sit and congeal in that like glass window as you're coming mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and you could be really hungry but take one look at that muffin and you're like <laughs> nah, nah, not doing that <laughs> uh, i'm good no muffin for me i'll pass oh uh, but would you say that your quality of life has improved that coffee's pretty good, yeah, man. <laughs> I get the iced coffee with this pumps the classic syrup. Nice, <laughs> nice. Oh, so uh, one final topic. Let's talk about summer activities for kids. You know, one of the funny things, you know, things have been running out. You try to buy. So I was looking for. We have a trampoline in my backyard, and I was like, you know, what would be fun is to get a little basketball goal on the trampoline. You know, not not one that's made of metal, but one that's just like made of some kind of pliable substance so you could dunk and, you know, you would never hurt your hands or anything, but it'd be so cool yeah. to jump and dunk. Cause that, I mean, you, we basically have to turn our backyard into something that will entertain kids for a, a whole summer. I was like, this could be one of those things. Yeah. So I went to try to find a basketball goal and like com- for the trampoline, they're completely, completely sold out. Like Amazon search for it on general, just on the internet, find some good products gone like you're like it's amazing that that everybody wanted to do the same thing you think you're unique but you're not it's like everybody is doing (laughs) and maybe i should use this for why you buy that so but what i decided to buy instead was i saw this like we'll call it a sprinkler system 
But really what it is is a glorified hose with holes in it. Mm-hmm. And you strap it to the top of your netting that usually encompasses your trampoline, right? Because this so is overhead. Like, no, no, not overhead, but you have walls on your trampoline so you don't fall off the trampoline. I'll call them walls. Mm-hmm. They're just, yeah, yeah, yeah. They keep the trampoline enclosed. But the hose doesn't go over top. It just goes around in a circle at the top of the net of the netting. Gotcha, gotcha. Making sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So is it like eye level for your kids? No, it's higher. It's higher. Yeah. So it's higher than their heads. And then you turn it on and it just sort of, it, it sprays out like streams of water in all directions mm-hmm. onto the trampoline, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and on one hand, you're like, that looks like a lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just jumping in water. But then on the other hand, you're kind of like, that looks kind of dangerous, right? It's like yeah. you're jumping on a slippery trampoline now. I mean, have you ever tried to jump trampoline in the rain? I, I mean, I haven't, right? It's, I think it would be slippery, right? You're going to fall yeah. and crack your head. But, you know, I'm like, nah, let's do it. Let's see what it's like. And so we got <laughs> it. <laughs> and it's remarkably easy to jump. And you don't really slip. And uh-huh. it is, it's really fun. So the moral of the story is, if you're looking for a basketball goal for your trampoline and you can't find it, try buying a sprinkler system for your trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That does sound pretty fun. I remember distinctly jumping on tramps that were wet and like how the the, oh, you the trampoline material gets heavy and uh-huh. when you kind of slap down on it, some of the water comes up, right? Yeah. Yeah. That totally happens. Fun, man. So you did jump on a wet trampoline before. I have. Definitely. From rain or something. I'm trying to remember. I don't think it was rain, just like sprinklers or whatever, probably. But I, I don't really remember the experience other than my feet hitting the trampoline and like how that it's heavier and the bounce is different because of the water on the trampoline. But yeah, that's fun. So are you buying things for your kids summer? I would say we're less on the, the purchasing department. We've had lots of family visiting and activities. This last weekend, we went up to Logan to visit Anna's brother and his wife and kids. And they have like a hot tub and a tramp and he redid their backyard and it looks awesome. And so we just like have hung out with them. And uh, Anna has another sister that brought her two kids up and they're staying for a week up here. So we've avoided buying too much, just had lots of lots of family time. That's nice. Well, what do you say we uh, wrap it up? Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Signing off for, uh, oh, well, before we do, let's give Weekly a little plug. So Dan and I are the co-founders of Weekly, which is an app. You can go to weeklybudgeting.com to find the link to the app in the App Store. Yeah. So Weekly is a budgeting app. It'll keep you on budget and simplifies what you have to spend into weekly increments. Uh, it gives you that smooth spending amount every single week uh, that eliminates a lot of the the fuss and noise of traditional budgeting systems and helps keep people on track. So if that's something you're looking to get a handle on, definitely give it a, give it a try. Let us know what you think. Well, until next time, thanks for listening to Why'd You Buy That? So long. Type of girl and everybody knows it.